0: glad to be here today. It's good to be back home. It can seem like we're gone a lot, I guess because we go quite a bit. But uh, often our going is, as you know, going for ministry or those type of things. And before my two oldest go back to college, I wanted to take a few days and Get the five of us together, so thank you for allowing us that time away. We miss being here. I, I told my wife on Friday morning, I said, you know, three days is about all I can handle. I, I don't mean with my wife. Don't misunderstand. I, don't you guys read stuff into my statements and get me in trouble after service? I I, I just, I don't know if you can fully understand this or not as a as a part of the body of Christ when I'm some people think man it must be nice he's just glad to be away that's you that's not the case I um I, I my day I, my thoughts are it's like Monday and I'm thinking man you know what Martin's teaching anger management class tonight I wonder how that class is going God be with him watch over him keep him and I wake up on Tuesday morning, I'm thinking about the day, and I'm thinking the ladies are going to be gathering together for prayer tonight. God, meet with them in that place, use them there, and have your way. And God, on Wednesday, I'm waking up, and I'm thinking about Bible study Wednesday night and the time, and, and I wake up Thursday, and I'm thinking, Lord, there's a Bible study taking place in the Rodriguez home tonight. You know, everybody that's going to be there, do it work in that home and minister there, God, and so, You you just can't disconnect from the body of Christ. I don't want to disconnect from the body of Christ. I believe in what he's doing. I believe in what God is doing. And if you think you're just a Sunday part or a Wednesday part, you're being deceived. God has called you to be a a seven-day-a-week part of what he's doing in the earth. It's an hour for us to engage ourselves in the work of the kingdom of God. I was, um, I'm just talking for a minute. We'll get in the word in a second. I I—I um, was on the phone last night. I was here at the church a little while last night. I was, um, Sister Jasmine was here cleaning, and so I thought, well, I'm going to step outside for a little while and. So she cleaned. I was out there and ended up on the phone, I think, most of the time. I was talking to Brother Johns in Idaho. And uh, I can talk on the phone and pull goat heads. So I was really productive. At got this thing on my hand. One of them goat heads got me good, man. But uh, anyway, and, um, as I was talking to Brother Johns there, he was telling me the things the Lord was doing, and we were just talking about the things of God. And He made a statement about how doors were opening they in Idaho Fall or in Twin Falls, He said, "Man, there's doors opening to backsliders, and I'm seeing what's well, the third time I've heard that in the last week from communication I've had um, from different parts of the country, Third time in the past uh, past couple weeks, maybe not the past week, past two weeks. And um, we need to understand how the Lord works. And if you're just li- going, well, he's talking, I'll listen when he's preaching. You should probably be listening right now. I was, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before, I was finished with work. I was in Olympia, and I was driving north to go to a meeting in Puyallup with some men from the church there. And uh, about the time I got to Joint Base lewis McCord, if you've ever driven up I-5 from Olympia, you know about where that is. Um I was often my pattern is I'm in the car and I'm can't not like I can do anything else. I mean, I mean I could, but you're limited, right? And so I just enjoy just the opportunity. I just sort of talk with the Lord. And nobody else is with me. He's there, so we'll talk and and um I I was praying about Tuesday night ladies' prayer. And man, I felt such an urgency in the Holy Ghost. There in the vehicle. And um, I kept praying about it. And so, waiting on the Lord about it. And so, finally, I called my wife and got her on the phone. I said, Hey, hey, uh, I asked her some questions about. Uh, I, I thought I understood, but I just wanted to ask anyway. And so I did. And she confirmed, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the. The only way I know to say this, the shepherd in me wanted to, I, I was feeling like I'm getting ready to set some direction right here. If you're a leader of any type, you know what I'm talking about. I was like, I was feeling something so strongly stirring in my spirit that I'm like, I'm and I I was getting ready to utter the words, and I felt the Holy Ghost stop. Stop me. It wasn't like some great big move I felt in the car. I just recognized the Holy Ghost stopped me and said, just trust me. And so I stopped. I didn't communicate the things I was going to say. In the direct. And so I simply said to my wife, I said, I feel such an urgency about prayer tonight. You guys, when you meet, you are not just marking time. But when you ladies come together tonight, the Lord wants to use you. I'm believing God to work through you in prayer. And I left it at that. Now have peace. I I received an Thank you, Sister Priscilla, for your passion for prayer and willingness to promote that continually. I um I received a message a few hours later after ladies' prayer. And uh my wife had said prayer was tremendous that evening. I don't know how many ladies were here a couple Tuesday nights ago. Raise your hand if you were here. I'm not trying to get you in trouble or say yay or nay, but. Some are probably downstairs, too. And I know some of our younger ladies were here, too, as well, which is wonderful. Moms, if you're coming, you got young girls, bring them with you. Teach them to pray. And uh, my wife said, and Sister Priscilla, you can keep me pretty straight here so I don't mix up stories. My wife said they begin to pray. Her words were, she said, it's one of the most powerful ladies' prayer meetings we've had that I remember in the last year and a half. She said, the Lord took us into intercession and there was such a marked spirit of intercession that came and then it lifted as it can. And she said, then the Holy Ghost took us into intercession again and it lifted. And then she said, three distinct times the Holy Ghost took us in intercession and we knew we were praying. I don't know if they said something before or after, but they were praying for backsliders that God had specifically marked their hearts to pray about those that had heard the word of God and turned away. I told her, I said, it's significant. Now you understand why, in the last two weeks, when I tell you three different times, I've received calls from different parts of the nation, and as early, just as recent as last night, talking to Brother John in Twin Falls, he said, doors are opening. He said, we're not reaching to them. He said, they're reaching to us. We have backsliders coming and reaching to us. Hear me, when you pray, If you'll yield to the Holy Ghost, you know, when you intercede, you can't produce that. The Spirit of God leads you in prayer. It reaches further than you can imagine. It reaches beyond what you and I could comprehend when we'll yield to His Spirit praying through us. He wants to do that in this hour. And so I'm thankful for those of you that gave yourself to prayer and did so. Amen? Praise God. Go with me to the book of 1 Kings. When I was talking to Brother Johns last night. And he made reference to backsliders reaching to him. He spoke of a word of the Lord that he had received many years ago. From. From Brother Kenneth Haney who had been there ministering. And. He apparently has family in that area. And he had told Brother Johns then, if you'll just continue as the Lord's leading you, I believe the Lord's going to draw all of them back to him. And he'll use you in that. Well, Brother Johns referenced, some of these of that family are reaching to him just in the last week. God is at work in the earth. We have to get in tune and fellowship with his spirit so we can see beyond our own little world and understand we're a part of his kingdom as we yield ourselves to it. It's the reason that Jesus said, except you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. That's why he said, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, you can't even be my disciple. Because if I don't lose my life, I'm always going to live in my own world. If I'm not willing to lose my life, I'm always going to look at everything in the scope of my world and what benefits me and what's good for me and what I want and what I need. And that's anti the kingdom of God. But he's wanting to involve us fully and completely. Amen? Praise God. First Kings. I think that's what I said. Yes. Thank you, Brother Jeremiah, for... Listening and affirming, helping me out so much. First Kings chapter number 17, I think, is where I want to go. The scripture says, Jesus, Jesus said, without me you can do what? You can do what? What can you do without him? Exactly. You can do nothing without him. Now, some of you are sitting here and you're human intellect and you're going, well, but I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. And what Jesus was saying is you can do nothing spiritually of any significance or import without him. Nothing. But he also said this, with men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Isn't that beautiful? Without him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do anything. Anything. You know why, well, here we go. We're going to read in a second, I promise you. Do you know why some of you are so frustrated? Is because you're trying to do stuff without him. Oh, you think it's the work of the kingdom. You're trying to do noble things for God, but you're doing it. It's not him leading you. It's your own effort and ability trying to please God in your humanity to satisfy your conscience. Rather than working with him as his spirit would lead you. All right, now we'll read. I, I had to say that. That was for somebody. First Kings 17, verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab. Ahab's an evil king. The scripture says, if you read the chapter before, it says that he did more to provoke the Lord to anger than all the kings of Israel that had come before him. He was pretty evil. He said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. It's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And guess what? It stopped raining. He said, there won't be rain. Now, notice he didn't just say rain. He said, there won't even be dew. You used to water coming from heaven and you're used to moisture coming up from the earth. At my word, for these years, no rain, no dew. And you can read the rest of chapter 17. We're not going to for sake of time this morning. But you can read the rest of that chapter and you'll see it stopped raining and the dew stopped. And drought came and brooks started drying up. And just as the word of the Lord was spoke through the man of God, it stopped and it ceased for years. Matter of fact, we know that it was three years that it did not rain. Three years there was no dew. Three years of dryness. You know, this last week's been pretty hot. It's been pretty dry. Can you imagine three years of that? No moisture for three years. That's a pretty dry place, isn't it? Now, chapter 18. Why? Why would the Lord allow such a thing to be spoken? Tell you why. Because the Lord will allow dryness to come in order to renew a desire for that which only He can give. The Lord will allow a dryness to come so that someone gets to a place where they get so desperate that they realize. Everything that I need can only be met by him. What I'm searching for and what I'm longing for and what I'm desiring. I've looked here and I've looked there, but everywhere I go, it's dry. But there comes a place in a walk and a life that says, I've got to turn to him. Only he can satisfy the thirsting of my soul. He'll let dryness come in your life. Till nothing else will satisfy you but him. There are people who seek satisfaction in different things only to find themselves empty. So this three years goes by and Elijah shows himself. I'm, I'm fast forwarding through chapter 18 here. He shows himself to a man and says, go tell Ahab that I'm here and that I'll meet him. The man is so scared of Elijah that he says, I'm not going to do that. I think his name's Obadiah. He's so scared of Elijah as a man of God that he says, I'm not going to do that because they've been looking for you for three years and haven't been able to find you. And I know what's going to happen. You're going to have me go say this to the king that you're here, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to do what you said, and then the king's going to come, and you're going to be gone, and he's going to kill me for lying to him. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. Can you imagine having such a fear of the power of God working that you're scared to speak something? That's reverence, isn't it? Elijah told him, said, don't fear. I'll be here. You go tell him. And so it was, and they agreed and read through chapter 18. They met on the top of Mount Carmel. The Lord was dividing is what he was doing. He was determining where people were. In their relationship with him. Who was going to be God in their life. That's really what 1 Kings chapter 18 was all about. Deciding who was going to be God in their life. And so they come to the top of Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal 400. Elijah one man. And said we're going to build an altar here. And whichever God answers by fire let him be God. So they build the altar. The prophets of Baal do, and they worship from morning till night. They cut themselves with knives. It gets to the point where the prophet Elijah starts mocking them, saying, hey, scream louder. Maybe he's asleep. Try again. Maybe he went away, and he's gone and hasn't heard you, and he's mocking them, and they're all day into the afternoon, into the evening. Obviously, Baal never responds. He's a false god. understand, Baal's a very real spirit. The spirit of Baal is very real. He's not God. Scripture even calls Satan the God of this world. There are many gods, little g, little g, many gods in this world. And the spirit that worked then to get men to follow Baal, Is still at work today to get men to follow other gods, to pursue other things, to fill our time and energy and effort with other things rather than the one true God. And so this went all day. And so finally, about the time of evening sacrifice, Elijah built an altar there, 12 stones, trench around it, cut the bullock laid it upon the altar, covered it with 12 buckets of water till they soaked the sacrifice in the altar and filled the trench round about the bottom of the altar. He prayed a 63-word prayer, and God answered by fire, consumed the sacrifice, consumed the stones, consumed the water, licked up the water out of the trough. It was quite the display. Then he commanded those that were on the Lord's side to take the prophets of Baal and kill them all. It was quite a prayer meeting, wasn't it? Now watch this. 1 Kings 18, verse number 42, or 41. 1 Kings 18 and 41. So this has all just happened. Everything I just told you has just happened. And Elijah said unto Ahab... That's the same king he was talking to three years ago at the beginning of chapter 17 that we read. Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself, I want you to see this picture. He cast himself down upon the earth, and he put his face Between his knees. You have that picture? He's knelt down on the ground. And he's praying. And talking to God. And he's bent over. Crying out to the Lord. That's the picture the scripture has just painted for us. He went to the top of the mountain. He cast himself down on the earth. He put his face in between his knees. And he began to pray there. Verse 43, and he said to his servant, go now and look toward the sea. And he went and he looked and he said, there's nothing. And he said, I want you to go again and do it seven times. Verse 44, and it came to pass the seventh time that he said, that's the servant. He came back to Elijah and he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. He said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and get down that the rain stop you not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I know we talked a lot there for a few minutes. The Lord would like to provoke some today. And challenge you today. By what we read in the word of God. Would you pray with me? And ask the Lord to have his way with this next few minutes that we have together. Lord Jesus I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people of God. I thank you for every heart that is here. And every spirit that is open unto you. And the work that you will do. I take authority over every distraction in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray the liberty and the operating of the Holy Ghost here in our midst. I pray your word, Father, quickened into our spirit as only you can. Come on, pray with me this morning. I pray your word quickened into our spirit as only you can. I pray the utterance of your voice into our spirit as only you can. Why don't you stand with me and pray? Lord Jesus, we need you. We are dependent on you. We are reaching to you right now. We're not interested in simply marking time on a Sunday morning. But we're interested, Lord, in what you would say and speak into our spirit We're interested in what you would desire to do in, with, and through us in this hour in which we live. My God, we seek your face. My God, we seek your face. We seek your word and your wisdom. We hunger and we thirst after you, O God. It is certain we can do nothing without you. And so we appeal to you, the Almighty God. Speak into our lives here this morning quicken by your spirit your word in our life let the word mix with faith and accomplish what you intend in Jesus name in Jesus name everybody said amen you can be seated again James chapter number five James chapter number five and verse number 13 Bear with me while I read one more place in Scripture here. James chapter 5 and verse 13. Obviously, we fast forwarded here to the New Testament. Listen to what the writer in Scripture is saying. Is any among you afflicted? could have said it this way. Anybody battling afflictions? You search that word out when you have time. What are you supposed to do? Is any among you afflicted? Let him what? Pray. Let him get on Facebook and tell everybody so people feel sorry for him. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Let him call their friend and whine and moan and groan back and forth for 45 minutes so they feel better and then hang up. That's not what it says, is it? Is any among you afflicted? Here's what you're supposed to do. James is writing to people of God when he wrote this. If you're afflicted, if there's something afflicting your mind, if there's something afflicting your body, if there's something afflicting your spirit, if there's something that's afflicting your family, is any among you afflicted? Here's the admonition of the Word of God. Pray. I'm afraid we may spend more time doing those other things rather than doing what the Word of God instructs. If there's an affliction that's coming against you or I as a child of God, I have one admonition in the Word of God. I'm supposed to find a place and get in touch with God and pray. Now, he didn't stop there. Is any Mary? Well, thank the Lord you're not afflicted today. You don't look like Mary. But is any? That's not the word, right? Is any Mary? Are you happy? Are you feeling good today? Well, then take the day off and just go and relax. Oh, no, no. If you're married, then let him sing psalms. One translation of that, I believe it's the Amplified that says, let him sing praises. It almost sounds like whether I'm afflicted or whether I'm doing well, I have a responsibility from the Word of God. And it's to pray. If I'm afflicted, pray. That's crying out, reaching to God. Praise is offering up to God. Let's read a little further. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Is any sick among you? What are you supposed to do? Supposed to do what? Call for the elders of the church, and what are they supposed to do? Pray. I have a question. If I'm sick, Whose responsibility is it to call the elders and ask them to pray? Whose? Yours. Mine, yours, whose? If I'm the sick one? It's my responsibility, right? Well, if my elder was spiritual, he'd know and he'd come pray for me. He knows I'm hurting. Why doesn't he come pray for me? Guess what? The scripture doesn't say that's how it's supposed to work. The scripture says, if you're sick. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The scripture says, if you're sick, you are supposed to call. That just goes against everybody's thinking, doesn't it? The way we've been taught. Well, no, they know I'm sick. They should come. We live in an entitled age, don't we? We better keep reading or I'll get in trouble. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15. What's going to happen? The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if, isn't it interesting, we're praying for the sick here. Obviously, it's broader than we think just physical illness, isn't it? Because he said the Lord will save the sick, or the prayer of faith would save the sick, and then the Lord would raise him up. And we're still praying for the sick here, but something's happening here. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Isn't that interesting? It's almost as though at times, not always, not always, not always, but at times, it could seem that sickness in our body, mind, soul, or spirit could be tied to sin. Not always. Don't believe the voice of the deceiver that says something's wrong with you. You must have sinned. Don't give in to that lie if you know different. Next verse, 16. Confess your faults one to another and what? Are you starting to see a pattern here? Or is it just me? Pray for one another. Confess your faults one to another. Not confess others' faults one to another. That's what we like to do. That's not, that's not scriptural. Matter of fact, scripture says that's an abomination to God when I do that. Did you feel that right there? Scripture says that's an abomination to God when I do that. If I talk about someone else's faults to my brother or sister. Can I tell you what Brother Zario did? Just between you and me. Maybe you can help me pray about it. Right. Right. Yeah, let me tell you what he said. Maybe you can help me pray. I'm really struggling with this. Maybe you can help me because I... Right. That's not what the scripture teaches. Oh, but how often do you go confess your faults to somebody else? Yeah, let that sink in a little bit. Oh, it's a, let's talk about Brother Zario. That's a lot better. Now, isn't this something in I... We're really going a whole different direction than I thought we were going this 40 Isn't it really interesting how easy it can be to talk about someone else's faults and not pray than it is to... Find a brother or sister in confidence when the Lord would lead and talk about where I need prayer and believe them to agree with me in prayer. Understand, that scripture doesn't mean I need to pull Brother Lewis aside and air out all of my dirty laundry. Scripture gives us a closet of prayer. But there's nothing wrong with coming along and saying, Brother Lewis... I'm struggling in this area. I don't want to go into a lot of detail, but I need a brother to agree with me. Would you agree with me in prayer? I want to do better here. That's what the scripture's talking about. And then Brother Lewis doesn't jump up and go and say, hey, Brother Martin. Brother well, Hart heart came and talked to me about a fault he's got. I just want to tell you about it. Maybe you can agree. No, that's not what he does. I come and we pray one for another. Don't give room to the abomination. Give room to what the scripture teaches. And the scripture is clear. As we begin to pray for one another, something happens to us. We are healed. As I'm praying for you and you're praying for me, there's a healing that takes place. Could it be that when I give myself to praying for someone else, rather than me, 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 my thing, my will, my stuff, my stuff, and I'm praying for my brother, praying for my sister, yielded to the Spirit of God, praying for someone else, that the Spirit of God working through my life, operating through my life, interceding for someone else, that His Spirit flowing through me begins to heal the places in my life that need healing. You understand it's impossible for the Spirit of God to come in contact with something and it not be changed. It's impossible for the Spirit of God to come in contact with someone and them not be changed. Now, they may go away from that and go back to what they were. And you say, well, they didn't change. Well, the Lord provoked to change, but they chose to walk away. When we begin to pray for one another, there's healing that takes place in our life. I'm really trying to get somewhere, but we're struggling. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Watch what he says. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Next verse. Elias. That's the Greek translation of the Hebrew name Elijah. Elias Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it didn't rain on the earth You see that? It didn't rain on the earth by the space of 3 years and 6 months Why did it not rain for three and a half years on the earth? Because one man prayed. Read on, verse 18. And what did he do? He prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. I have a question for you. Are you like Elijah? Go back to verse 17, please, Jeremiah. See that first line? Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. You know what that means? That means Elijah was as human as you and I. It means Elijah dealt with problems just like you and I. Elijah was human and struggled with things just like human passion. He was subject to feelings and emotions just like you and I. We make these scriptural men and women of God to be some supernatural, different than we were human beings. No, they were men and women just like you and I. And that's what the writer is saying here. Elijah was a man subject to the same kinds of feelings that you and I. We could read chapter 19 of verse Kings. We didn't keep reading, but you can read it. And in that chapter, he's scared, and he's running for his life. Are you kidding me? You just saw fire come from heaven when you prayed? You just prayed, and the heavens opened up, and rain started falling? And now, because of a threat of some woman, you're hiding with your tail tucked between your legs, scared? How is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. He's a man just like you and I, and he's subject to the same feelings and emotions as you and I. But he prayed, and when he prayed, he wasn't confident in his ability. He was confident in the one to whom he was praying. He was confident in the God to whom he was praying. He was confident in the one that was hearing the prayer. And he was confident that he was praying according to God's will. The Lord is trying to arrest some of you to provoke you back to a place of prayer to invite you back to a place of prayer, to get you to move from a place of complacency and casualness and maybe even self-pity or woe to say, why don't you just pray? And you say, well, I am praying, I am praying. Question, are you praying what you want or are you praying what Christ wants? Are you praying according to your will or are you praying according to His will? Because I have promises from scripture in John that if I ask anything according to his will, I have that which I ask. Why did Elijah pray for fire to fall from heaven? Was it so he could show himself off? Not at all. It was God's purpose. To ch- cause men to see the one true living God. And choose. Elijah prayed according to the purpose of God. Not his own purpose. Matter of fact, you can read 1 Kings chapter 19. And when Elijah scared and running for his life. Because his focus has shifted from the purpose of God. To his own life and self preservation and self-protection and self, self, self. It shifted. He's as human as we are, remember? Because it shifted, now he's hiding in a cave and he can't even quite discern the voice of God for a minute. He's trying to figure out. Well, it's thunder. Maybe God's in the thunder. Where it's an earthquake, maybe God. And, he's, and finally, he sat there still long enough that a still small voice came. And God wasn't in the thunder, he wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the big show. He got still along enough. And again I'm paraphrasing, read it, the Lord said, Why are you here hiding? See, when you and I are focused on self and our prayer is about self and our prayer is no longer according to the purpose of God, we usually find ourselves in a place of hiding and struggling to know, discern the voice of God. It's a trap of the enemy. Don't beat yourself up for that. Let the word of God bring you back to where he's inviting you to be in a place of prayer that is produced by him working in and through your life. To where we pray according to the word and the will of God. Not our own way and our own will. Now you're sitting here this morning. You say, Brother Hart. But there's things that I need. There's things that I'm wanting God to do. I'm not saying not to pray about those things. What do I do? I take those things to a place of prayer. And here's, I have a word of God from Romans chapter 8 verse 26. It says, I don't know what to pray for as I am. You ever thought you knew what the answer was to something. Only to find out you weren't right. Sister Mary said, yes, me too. Me too. And then after the fact, it's like, man, it makes so much sense now. Why did I think that it was so much seemed like this would have been the answer? Romans 8, 26, it tells us we don't know what to pray for as we ought. I've got lost loved ones that I'm praying for to come back to God, to be refilled with the spirit of God, to see God work in their life. And I can go to a place of prayer and I can tell you, after some 25, 30 years, I've prayed everything I know to pray about it. I've come at it every way as though maybe I can trick God in answering prayer if I pray it a little different. And he won't see the angle I'm coming from. I mean, I don't say it that way. But you know what I'm talking about. Many of you have done that as well. Now, I don't stop praying, you understand? I keep coming back. There's something for importunity. But now I'm coming and I'm going, God, I know you want to save their soul. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But God, I don't know how to pray for them. I've done everything I know to do. I've prayed every way I have know to pray. Matter of fact, God, I'm tired of praying about it. Anybody else ever got there? I've told him that before. If you haven't got tired of praying about situations yet, you probably just gave up too soon. But you know what? There's nothing like being in a place of prayer and going, Lord, I know you're wanting to do something here. Help me know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. I know that they need you. I know that they need you. Give me direction in prayer. Pray through me according to your will. And the Lord begin to prompt things to my spirit. and Begin to pray through me according to His will. And I have a bold confidence. Something is happening. Something is taking place. Why? What did you see? I didn't see anything, but I had a confidence in the Spirit of God working when we would give ourselves to prayer. How can you be so sure? Because we have a word from the Lord that is very clear and certain that says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. It availeth much. And he used Elijah as an example. And he said, why did he use Elijah? Because Elijah is somebody we can go back and look and read in 1 Kings 17, 18, and 19. And we can see God use him powerfully in prayer. But we can see him after being used powerfully in prayer. We can see him scared and running for his life. And we can think, how in the world is it possible? How could that man be scared after the way God mightily answered his prayer? I'll tell you how he could be unsure. Because he was Human. He's subject to feelings and emotions just like you and I. Understand the result and the impact and the power of prayer through our life is not because of our humanity. It's because of His greatness and because we'll yield ourselves and pray. You and I can accomplish great and powerful things with God. Praying through us And the Spirit of God is beckoning on some of your hearts this morning. Some of you are here. Some of you are not. I I trust that before it's done, you'll let Him reach into you. But God is reaching to some of you and saying, Why don't you pray? Why don't you let me pray through you? This word that was through Elijah can come through you. You can pray and things can change. One man, one man prayed. And for three and a half years... It didn't rain. Let that sink into your spirit. Three and a half years it didn't rain. Because one man prayed. You could say, yeah, but I'm not Elijah. No, you're not. And neither am I. But he's still God. He's still God. I serve the God of Elijah. I serve the God of Elijah. The same God that heard his prayer. Here's my prayer and here's your prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. You know what one of the dumbest things in the world is? Have your attention now, don't I? And I know because I've done this in my journey. The dumbest thing in the world is to get mad at God for not answering my prayer, and so I give God the cold shoulder and say, "Fine, I'll just stop praying." Isn't that silly? Like, I'm going to get an attitude with God, and because of my attitude, God's going to go, okay, well, I can tell they're upset now, so I better respond. Look, that may work with your kid. God does not work that way. Matter of fact, that's just the deception of the enemy. If I'm getting mad at God... That's a sure sign that I've been giving room to the voice of the enemy in my mind. If I've decided I'm going to stop talking to the giver of life. When you pray, you are powerful. When you give yourself to prayer, you are powerful. And if we'll yield ourselves to prayer, anything is possible. That word effectual and fervent, it, it comes from, a, it's, it's all one Greek word. It's pretty small. It's where we get our word energy from. I can't say it in Greek. It's like energeo or something like heo or something like that is the Greek word. It's where we get the word energy from. Energy by itself doesn't accomplish much. It has to be set in motion. It has to be released You can walk in this room right now, and if all the lights are off, you can say, man, there's a lot of energy just waiting to course through those lights. Guess what? If you don't flip that light switch and release the energy, it's going to stay dark. It's going to stay dark until the energy is released. That scripture, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, prayer is the releasing of that energy, Prayer is the releasing of that power of God to accomplish things that we cannot accomplish ourselves. Isn't it funny? So many of us would say, I would pray if I only had time. I'd pray more if I had more time. I promise you, the more you pray, the more time you'll find to pray. The Lord is wanting to answer things in your life. Why don't you stand with me this morning? The Lord is wanting to answer some of you here, you've gotten not not in a negative way, just in humanity. You've gotten frustrated because you're wanting to see change and you're wanting and nothing's changing as far as you can see. I have a question. If nothing changes and I stop praying, does that mean I stop believing that prayer would work? If nothing changes and I stop praying, does that mean I've stopped believing that prayer would work? You understand, the enemy wants to rob faith. Prayer still works. I just told you, there's a prayer I've been praying for. 47. I've been praying for at least 30 plus years. Haven't seen it answered yet. Am I going to stop? Not a chance. Why? Because I know God hears my prayer. And I know he wants to answer. I know that I'm praying his will. You say, well, why is it? I don't know why. Well, how come it's not? I don't know. But I do know he answers prayer. And so I'm going to pray until I'm going to pray until I'm going to pray until and I'm going to keep praying until because I have the word of God to stand on that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That literally means it accomplishes much. You say, well, I'm not righteous. Guess what? None of us are. We're made righteous in him. So when we abide in him and his righteousness, then I give myself to prayer. I can be an effectual, fervent, righteous, praying individual. The Lord's wanting to change things in some of your lives. He's just trying to provoke faith again in you to pray. Would you pray with me right now? Would you begin to talk to the Lord with me? Come on, there's some of you here today, the Lord quickened things into your spirit through the word today. Things were brought back to the forefront of your mind. People were brought back to your heart. Things you're wanting to see God work and do. And you're thinking, I haven't prayed about that in a while, but I sure would like to see. Would you be willing to press there with the Lord as he leads right now and pray again in faith? Come on, don't pray in hope. Oh, God, maybe, just maybe, would you please? That's not praying in faith. Praying in faith is speak to the mountain, be thou removed. In the name of Jesus, I pray for that lost loved one today, Lord. You are not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And according to your word, I pray the arm of God reach to them and draw them to an altar of repentance. Draw them to a place of salvation according to your word. In the name of Jesus I pray. In the name of Jesus I pray. Father, that which is needful in my home you see and you know. I don't know how to pray for it, but God You know how to bring it. I have not lost faith. I cry out again afresh. Do in my home what you need to do, Lord. Do in my spirit what you must. To produce in my home what you want to produce. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, the effectual, fervent prayer. A prayer that's released in faith to a God that can do anything. It can cause rain to stop for three and a half years. And it can cause rain to fall again in a time of prayer. Anything is possible when we connect with God in prayer. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, Father, because you are the one that answers. You are the one that works. It's you that accomplishes your will in the earth. In the name of Jesus, beckon the backslider. Beckon the lost soul, O God. Open doors that cannot be shut. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus we pray. Come on, I want to open this altar to you. Why don't you come and cry out to Him? Let Him lead you in prayer for those situations that have been quickened to your spirit this morning. Let Him lead you in prayer about those lives that He's brought to your mind. Let Him renew faith in you in the power of prayer. Let Him renew something in your spirit to pray with a fresh fervency. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus. Come on, there's an element in our humanity that would give up on prayer and begin to try to just do things in our own ability. The Lord is trying to move you from that back to prayer today. God, not my way, but yours. Not my plan, but yours. I believe you can speak to the situation, God. Give me the words to speak according to your will and your purpose. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus hallelujah 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 come on no person is so far gone that prayer can't reach them no situation is too far lost that prayer can't change it I began to couple with God in prayer. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. I could take you back to a place 20 years ago where I sat on the floor in my living room, crying because of a situation that I thought would never, ever change. I felt hopeless. I was so desperate there ten years later I can tell you everything about it had changed it had come full circle by the work and the power of God why because prayer is able to accomplish what nothing else can my human ability and ingenuity can't do it but prayer and faith in a living God can do it let faith arise in your heart this morning the Lord Jesus is inviting you to fervent prayer in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. There's some of you here in this room today. I've spoken to you about names of family or friends. I'm speaking them because I still have faith. I'm still praying in faith, knowing God is working. God is reaching I may not see anything on the surface. I may not see any indicator, but I have a confidence in God. I have a confidence in God and His Word that when I pray, He works. He works. He works through the avenue of prayer and faith in Him. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We trust you today, Lord. We trust you today, Lord. We hope in you today, Lord. Our confidence is in you this day, Father. You can do anything. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. name of jesus nothing is too hard for you your spirit lord reaches where we cannot you see where we cannot you work where we cannot i trust you I trust you, O God, even when I cannot see. I trust you. I trust the power of your word and spirit. I pray in faith today. I speak to the mountain of insecurity. Be removed and cast into the sea. I speak to doubt and fear today. To be removed and cast into the sea. In Jesus' name. 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 Hallelujah, Father, we trust you. Father, we trust you. Come on, let him put into your spirit a fresh faith. Let him put into your spirit. Let him renew your faith. Come on, when Peter failed, when Peter Peter made the statement that he did that caused Jesus to turn and rebuke him and say, Get behind me, Satan. What that must have done to Peter, but the Lord said to him, He said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Notice something. He didn't say, I've prayed for you so that you're not sifted. He said, I've prayed for you So that your faith doesn't fail. There will be sifting that takes place in our lives. Part of life. There will be sifting that takes place in our life. We say, God, get me out of this sifting. That's not what the Lord prays. He didn't say, I prayed for you, Peter, that you'll get out of the sifting. He said, I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail in it. The Lord is really trying to encourage and help somebody today. You may be in the sifting. I'm praying for you. I am praying that your faith doesn't fail. I'm praying that you don't doubt that God is still able. I'm praying that your confidence in Him doesn't fail, that He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think according to His power that works in us. I'm praying that you understand that with you it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. I'm praying that in the sifting process, your faith doesn't fail. Your faith doesn't fail. Your faith doesn't fail. Your faith doesn't fail. Come on, prayer still works. He's still God. He's still able. You may not know it, but I've prayed for you. I've called your name, and others have as well, that your faith doesn't fail. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. The enemy would sift to try to steal your faith. That element that would say there's no use anymore, it doesn't matter anymore. I've tried. God is well able. God is well able. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. God, would you worship Him with me right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray the quickening word of God, the quickening word of God today. In the name of Jesus Christ, in this hour, Father, where you work, we yield ourselves to you to pray according to your will, to pray in the spirit and with understanding. That your will and your work would be accomplished in the earth through lives for your glory. I will not stop. I will pray until in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Why don't you greet someone this morning? Amen. We're going to baptize a couple of people here in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm excited about that. Amen. Praise God. Take a moment, greet somebody while they're getting ready, and we'll do that. Thank you, Jesus.